So I've chosen to take a, a break from our series in First Peter and um, instead preach Psalm 123. So this evening I'll preach to you Psalm 123. Um, as you're turning there, a couple reasons I've chosen to do this. First of all, the text um, that is next in First Peter requires a little more study and um, it's somewhat of a weighty text, so just needing that extra time to prepare. Um, and God willing, I will preach um, in two Sundays from now, um, continuing on in First Peter chapter 2. Um, and secondly, um, it's just nice to take a break sometimes. So um, this evening we'll uh, um, be reading and meditating upon Psalm 123. And the title of the sermon is Eyes Fixed on God. And it is a text of scripture um, that is all about looking to the Lord. So let's read that text together, Psalm 123. It's a short psalm, and it reads, Unto thee I lift up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of maidens unto the hand of their mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that he have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease and with the contempt of the proud. May God bless the reading of his word. So this particular psalm is found within a group of psalms um, called the Songs of Ascent. Um, in my Bible, actually in my King James, it says a song of degrees. Another way of saying it, a song of ascent, song of degrees. Um, and it's a grouping of psalms that starts in Psalm 120 and goes right until Psalm 136. And some have called it the Pilgrim Songs. And I'll give you a little bit of background as to um, how this sort of grouping came about. They were commonly sung by pilgrims, um, by Jews who would be traveling um, to Jerusalem for the, the yearly feasts. And I believe there was three feasts that um, Jews would commonly travel to Jerusalem for. And they would sing these songs as they uh, ascended up the hill to Jerusalem. So as they got closer to the city, they would begin singing through these psalms, starting in Psalm 120 all the way through Psalm 136. And um, oftentimes it would be families singing these songs together. And um, I, I, you can sort of imagine, I know for my family, um, whenever we're in the minivan together, oftentimes we have kids' music playing in the background and their songs, children's songs that we listen to. And you just sort of hear them over and over and over again until you kind of know them really, really well. And that's sort of the idea of what would often happen um, as these pilgrims would travel to Jerusalem to worship the Lord at these feasts. And I'll give you a real quick sort of synopsis. Many of these songs are familiar to us, um, and they all speak to preparing us for worship. So uh, just highlight a couple of them. You can sort of flip through in your Bible as we go through these. Psalm 122 speaks about the joy of being in God's temple. And we know this song, this verse so well. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So just talking about that joy of the Lord that comes from worshiping him in his temple. Psalm 124 is all about God's faithfulness 
in the past. So, so remembering the past and how God has been faithful. And one verse says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, then we had been swallowed up. So there's this idea that, that it is God who is faithful and he's brought us this far and he will continue to be with us. Psalm 126 is a song of celebration. I think we know this one well because there's a Zion's harp song about this. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we sing this song. Um, he hath done great things for us, it says. And it's a, it's a celebration of what God has done um, in freeing us. Psalm 127 is God's blessing upon man's efforts, um, recognizing that only through the blessing of God and what he does um, can anything prosper except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Psalm 133 is a song of praise for fellowship and unity. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So imagine this group, this throng of people singing songs together and, and considering the unity that they would have. How, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then Psalm 136, um, praise to the, praise to God in His temple. Bless the Lord, lift up your hands in the sanctuary, and bless the Lord. And it sort of culminates in this worship as we ascend and build up to this time of worship. And the themes of each of these songs of ascent offer encouragement to those who would seek to worship God. And I think they can do the same thing for us. Even this psalm that we read here this evening, Psalm 123, does that clearly um, as we as we look into it, and God willing, we will go through this psalm together. And in this psalm, the psalmist makes clear that though God's people face opposition, um, contempt, scorning from those who are proud and arrogant, um, despite the plight of their situation, their eyes are fixed on God. Our eyes are fixed on God. And I couldn't help but think of some of the similarities even within, um, as I've been studying through First Peter and just how, um, how much, how, how true this is and how much more true it is in the light of the entirety of scripture. You know, as we go into the New Testament and with the revelation of Jesus Christ, that he is the one who we look to. It's not just sort of a, a future hope. It's, it's a present hope that we have in Jesus Christ as our savior. And, that we don't even look to hope itself. We look to Christ. He is the one that we look to because he has been revealed to us. And we he is the one that we now fix our eyes upon. And it just becomes so much more rich and so much more full when we think about it within the context of the New Testament and, and with the revelation, the full revelation of Jesus Christ. So this psalm um, tells us or encourages us, I think, three things as we go through it. Um, Three things that I saw. First, it is where to look. Second, how to look. And thirdly, what to look for. I think that's what this psalm shows us. Where to look, how to look, and what to look for. And before we get into it, I'll give a little bit of background or context. Um, this psalm was written not as a song of ascent. These were later taken and sort of collected together and put in a group. But um, this psalm was written individually. And we don't really know a lot of the history of exactly <clears throat> when it was written or who it was written. Some of the songs of ascent were written by David. Um, I think four of them were. One was written by Solomon and the rest was written by a variety of authors. Um, so we don't know exactly when um, this song 
this psalm was written, but we know that it was likely written in a time of real trouble. And I think of, you look back through the history of the nation of Israel, there were times of, of turmoil and times of peace, and, and oftentimes the psalms reflect that. But this was clearly written in a time of turmoil, perhaps um, in a return to exile. I think of, for example, Nehemiah and, you know, the, the time when the Israelites had been in exile, they were brought back and they were surrounded by their enemies and they faced, um, you know, mocking and scorning as a nation from, from those around them. We don't know exactly, but ultimately this song, this psalm was written as an encouragement in a time of trouble, as it were. And it encourages us to fix our eyes on the Lord, to look to the Lord in the midst of that. And I think with that in mind, um, I think there's a lot of relevance for us here today as we look around in the world and we see all of the turmoil and just looking around at everything that is going on. And this psalm reminds us that we are to look to the Lord, that we are to fix our eyes upon him. And it begins in verse 1 with just that, instructing us where to look. It says, verse 1, Unto thee I lift up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. So where do we look? Where do we fix our, fix our eyes? Verse 1 gives us the direction or the focus of where we look. It says, we look to the Lord. Unto thee I lift up mine eyes. God is the one whom we look to in all things, for all things, our attention and our focus direction must be towards the Lord. And it must be exclusively towards the Lord. Look what it says here. Unto thee I lift up mine eyes. So we are not to look at really anyone or anything else. Our focus is to be fixed upon the Lord. And the eyes of faith do that. They look to the Lord. They don't look to the circumstances around them. They don't look to the troubles that are around them, but they look to the Lord for strength and for hope. And we also must turn our eyes to the Lord or we will fall. And I can't help but think of the example of Peter um, walking on the water. I think there's a beautiful example where he, where Christ was out walking on the water and Peter said, if you were the Lord, then call me to come to you. And, and he took that step in faith out on the water. And we know the account well. Um, as long as he had his eyes fixed upon the Lord, he was able to walk on water. But what happened the moment that he turned his eyes away from the Lord? He began to sink. As long as Peter was looking to the Lord, he was able to walk on water. His eyes had to be exclusively fixed upon his master. But when he turned his eyes away and he looked to the other things, he looked to the trouble around him, to the ocean and the crashing waves, that's when he began to sink. However, those who look with eyes of faith keep their focus on the Lord. They don't look at the troubles or the trials around them, the temptations, the distractions. They're not preoccupied with their circumstances or past experiences or their feelings or their emotions that overtake them. Those who look with eyes of faith look and fix their eyes exclusively on the Lord. Unto thee I lift up mine eyes, it says. Psalm 125 Verse 5, sorry, Psalm 25, verse 15 says, Mine eyes are ever towards the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. So where do we look? 
we look to the Lord. We fix our eyes on our heavenly Father. It says, Unto thee I lift up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. God is our heavenly Father. He dwells in the heavens. He rules over all of creation. And he is Lord of this universe. And he is the one that we look to. Though we can't see him with our physical eyes, we can't see him. We see the, the, um, we see the reality of him and what he has done all around us, but we cannot see him with our physical eyes. We must look with spiritual eyes. We must look with eyes of faith. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. As we go through this earth, it is our faith that we rely upon. It is through eyes of faith that we look to our Lord and not with our physical eyes. In faith and belief and trust, we turn to our Heavenly Father. And ultimately, as children of God, as we consider this in the context even of the New Testament, we look to Christ um, because it is Christ who is our Savior. And, and Christ is really the revelation of God, the express image of the Father, as it says in Hebrews 1. So to look to Christ is really to look to God. They are the one, they are one and the same. And we as followers of Christ, as believers, we must always look to God, to our Heavenly Father, and to His Son, Jesus Christ, as He has been revealed to us. Though sometimes, and oftentimes, and I'll admit this first and foremost in my own life, that oftentimes I do forget and I lose my focus. And it often happens in subtle ways. And sometimes even just taking our glimpse off of the reality of of Christ and fixing our eyes upon Him. You think of when you fix your eyes on something, your, your attention is focused on that. And the moment that you look away from that, you are no longer fixing your eyes upon that. And this can happen in such subtle ways, even in my own life. Sometimes I, I fix my eyes on things that, at least in my mind, seem right and good. But even right and good things can detract from fixing my eyes upon Christ. So, for example, looking at looking to heaven rather than looking to Christ. Um, looking to hope rather than looking at Christ. Looking to safety instead of looking to Christ. Looking for peace and rest from my problems and my troubles rather than looking to Christ. You know, all of these things are found in Christ. Heaven, um, hope, safety, peace, rest. All of these things are found in Christ and, and, and they are good things. But ultimately, that's not what we look to. We don't fix our eyes on heaven. We don't fix our eyes just on some generic hope. We don't fix our eyes on just being safe and being at peace. We must fix our eyes on Christ. And in Him, we find all of those things. It is Christ who we look to. And I would also say this and speak to those who are outside of Christ. For those who are perhaps looking in from the outside and challenge you to consider what exactly you are looking at. You know, for those who are considering um, what it means to be a Christian and to follow Christ, I would challenge you and I'd ask you and say, are you looking just to live a good Christian life? Are you looking from the outside um, and are you looking just to live a good Christian life or are you looking simply for the blessings of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you just looking to become a member of this church or of the body of Christ Or are you, in fact, looking to Christ? Are you looking at Christ and Christ alone? 
You know, he is the one that you must fix your eyes upon. And in faith, you must do this. And really that leads to our next question. You know, we talk about how do we look? Okay, we talk first of all, whom do we look to? But next, how do we look? And first and foremost, like I've said, we must look with eyes of faith. Look beyond the temporal to the eternal. Look beyond the physical to the spiritual. Look beyond the earthly to the heavenly. We must look with an eternal perspective. And having that eternal perspective, we must, we can only have with having eyes of faith. And also with the right posture. You know, we think about, um, how do we look? We must have the right posture when we look. And I think verse 1 also speaks to that when it says, Unto thee I lift up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. You know, um, the fact that we must look up to God, um, as it says here in this verse, shows that we must have a right understanding of our place before God. We do not look down to God. We do not look um, in front or across or behind to God. He is not on our level. He is above us. We look up to him. And we must acknowledge, in looking up to him, we must acknowledge that we are below him and that he is so far above us. His greatness, his majesty, his glory is greater than we can ever really understand. And I think if we if we truly understand that, it drives us to the place of humility. It drives us to a point, I think, of, of, of Moses, who probably, of all those who walked on the earth, um, saw God maybe the closest, as you could say, or, or the most clearly. Um, we know many of the prophets saw visions of God and were caught up into heaven, um, and they also were humbled to the core, as it were. But when you think of a man um, you think of, of Moses, who it says was the most humble, the most meek of all men. And I can't help but think that it's not, the only reason that is, is because he saw God. I mean, we think of the, the, the illustration where he asked to, to, to see God's glory and, and that God said he would pass by, but he would only see the backside of him, as it were. And that, that, that humbled him so much. And I think that, that opened his eyes just to see his own sinfulness in the light of God's holiness and his glory. He recognized his own sinfulness and it humbled him. And it's the same humbling that, that we, we read about in Luke chapter 18. The illustration, the parable that, that Jesus gave of, of the Pharisee and the publican. We know clearly that the Pharisee had not seen God. He was not looking to God, and as a result, he had no humility. He looked up to heaven, and he, he was, in a sense, boastful and proud of his own good works. And he was rejected. He was not um, justified, as the, as the scripture says. But we know the publican, um, it says in Luke 18, verse 13, it says, And the publican, standing afar off, would not so much, sorry, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And when I read that, I, I kind of struggled at first because it says that he wouldn't look up to heaven. And I thought, okay, well, I thought we're supposed to look up to God. It says here that he, he wouldn't even look up to heaven. But I think what this verse is, is saying, it's not a contradiction. What it's saying is that he had seen God. He had looked to God. He had seen God, his greatness, his holiness. And as a result, he was humbled. And, and, and he couldn't even look up to God in that moment. He saw his unworthiness and his sin, and it humbled him. And looking at God does that. 
it humbles us. And you can see, and you cannot look at God and not be changed. You can't say, I've seen God, I've read the scriptures, and it not truly radically change your life. If you say, you know, I, I've seen God, I've looked at God, but it just doesn't mean anything. It doesn't, it's not bringing any change in my life. Then I would challenge you and say that you haven't truly seen God. And it, because it's impossible to see God and not be changed. If his word, if the word of God is not changing your life, then I would challenge you to look deeper into the scripture. Study the attributes of God. Understand who he is and what he has done as revealed in scriptures. And that will change and transform your life in a great way. And ultimately, when we look to Christ, um, ultimately our, our sins are forgiven. Um, and then we can have confidence. You know, as believers, you know, who have been justified before God, we can have confidence when we look to God and to our Heavenly Father. Because we are no longer enemies of God. We have been made right. We stand justified before Him through the merit of Jesus Christ, and we can look with confidence. It says, Unto thee I lift up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. God is in heaven. He dwells there. He reigns over all. When it says dwells, um, it means that he's enthroned in heaven. The ESV translates it as he is enthroned in heaven. He reigns. He rules over all things. And we look to a God who dwells in heaven, um, and we see his glory we see his power, and we have confidence that he is sovereign over all. Psalm 135, one of these songs of ascent says, Whatsoever the Lord pleases, he does in the heavens and in the earth, in the seas and in all deep places. God rules over all things, and whatever he wills, whatever he pleases, he does. And we can take confidence as children. When we look up to God, when we look to him, and when we see him dwelling or enthroned in heaven, ruling over all things, we can have confidence. But we can also approach him with expectation. You know, we talk about how um, do we look to God. We look to him with expectation. And verse 2, I think, explains that or, or illustrates that well. It says, Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hands of their master, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that he have mercy upon us. And the psalm, <clears throat> the psalmist here uses um, an illustration, a simile as it were, uh, a comparison to help us understand this concept of, of how we look and how we look with expectation. And it compares that of a servant and a master and also of a maiden and a mistress. And sort of wonder how, do, how does this sort of connect here? What's what's the comparison that he's making? And I think it requires us to understand a little bit of the context. You know, for us in this world today, um, especially here in North America, we really have no concept of um, slavery. But the reality is that in these days, slavery um, essentially ruled the world. It was it was commonplace. Even in the days of, of Christ, there was there was slavery that was happening. And um, those slaves were not free. They were owned by their masters, and everything that they did was according to the bidding of their master. And everything that they needed, they relied upon for their master to supply it. You know, it's not like they made money and they could take that money and go out and buy things to supply for their own needs. No, their master gave them what they needed essentially to live. Um, food, clothing, 
um, for their health, for, for their life, for their sustenance. Everything was provided by their master, and they looked to him. And if they had a good master, he would provide for them everything that they needed. Yet there were also bad masters who would not provide well for their servants. And in the same sense that, as these verses are saying here, that, you know, behold, as the eyes of a servant look unto the hand of their masters, they look to their masters to provide, and also to a maiden who looks to her mistress to provide for her needs. In the same way, similarly, we are to look to the Lord for all things. And he is a good master. He will provide for all of our needs. We can trust him in that because he is good. And, and, and it uses this as a comparison. It says, as, you know, it described, behold, as the eyes of a servant look to their master and, and a maiden to her mis, to her mistress. And then it says, so, so that's the comparison. So our eyes wait upon the Lord in the same way we wait upon the Lord until he have mercy upon us. We look to God, we fix our eyes upon Him and trust Him with expectation, believing that He will provide for all of our needs. We look to Him for all things, and it requires faith, it requires trust in Him, to trust that He is a good master, to trust that He does rule over all things, and that He can supply for our needs, and that He will supply for our needs. And really, um, when we think about what it is that God supplies to us, um, if he does not supply it, as his children, if we if we look to him, if he does not supply it, we do not need it. And I, I think of, you know, sometimes you see a sign outside of, of a store. It says, you know, if we don't have it, you don't need it. And, you know, we think of that sort of illustration there. But really, in 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 some ways, it's the same with God. If, if he does not supply that to us, if we have faith and trust in him, and he does not supply something that we want, we have to trust him that he's holding that back for a reason. He's not giving that to us because we don't need it or he does not see that as best for us. And really, I think that helps us give a framework and a mind of what true contentment really is. To be content is to trust in God that he will supply for our needs. As we look to him, he will provide. And that is how we look. We look with eyes of faith. We look... Um, with confidence, knowing that he rules over all things. We look with expectation, believing that he will supply for our needs. And finally, um, and lastly, what it, what is it that we seek? And I think verse 3 and 4 highlight that well. It says, Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease and with the contempt of the proud. When we look to the Lord, when we fix our eyes upon him, we are seeking his mercy and grace, knowing that he is the only one who can, who truly knows our needs and can meet them. And, you know, in the context here, like I said at the beginning, we don't fully understand what it, what was the circumstances that were going on when this psalmist wrote this. Like I said, they were likely in, in a, in a, in a time of trial and struggle. And there were those who were, who were scorning them and, and they were, they were, it says here, they were filled with exceeding, exceedingly filled with contempt, the contempt of those and, and of those who were scorning them and those who were at ease, who are, um, who are proud and are arrogant. That was the struggle. That was their need in this moment. And, you know, for each of us, I think we can relate that we are all, um, we're, we're in a time of uncertainty. 
We're in a time when we don't understand everything that's going on around us. There's a lot of upheaval in this world, and we try to put things together in our mind and understand it, and there's frustrations, and there's angers, and anger, and disappointment, and, you know, we have a lot of questions in our mind. And all I can say to that to encourage you from the scriptures this evening is look to the Lord. Fix your eyes upon him. Cry out to him for mercy, as the psalmist says here. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Um, like David did, you know, when he was in his time of need. So much throughout his life, he was faced with opposition, with struggles, with questions, wondering what is God doing? Why are these things happening? He couldn't put them together in his mind, yet he had his, fix, his eyes fixed upon the Lord. Even when he fell into sin, we read in Psalm 51, um, he says, have mercy upon me, O God. Same word he uses here, the exact same word. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. He trusted in God. He knew, he had looked to his Lord. He knew who was his Savior, who was the one that could supply for our needs. And he cried out to him for mercy. That word mercy is, it's it's an action, it's a verb. It's, It's to be gracious toward, to show favor towards. And David knew his need, and he knew who was the one to look to. He looked to the Lord. He fixed his eyes upon him like a servant who looks to their master, like a maiden who looks to her mistress. He fixed his eyes. He trusted that God can and will supply all of his needs according to his riches and glory, as it says in Philippians, I believe. Um, He will supply. You know, that's true faith. We look at what it means to have faith in God It is to look to the Lord. It is to fix our eyes upon him and to trust him. And I pray this evening that each of us, as we go through this life and as we um, encounter the different struggles and trials that we face, um, whatever it is, I pray for each of you that you would fix your eyes upon the Lord with that same faith that David had, that the psalmist had, and that you would look to the Lord and that you would fix your eyes upon him. And that um, as a result, you would seek his mercy and his grace um, because he will supply for all of our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, our Savior. Amen.